Hey, Jim. Hey, Joe. How's it going? How's doing all right? How are you? I'm doing all right. Doing all right. I am uh, not ready today. Ah, uh, not ready or un unprepared? I'm unprepared. It's unclear whether I'm ready or not. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. We kind of we just threw this one together. Decided pretty last minute. Yeah. So here we are. Uh, here we are. Hello. Hello. I don't have anything to talk about, except, I mean, I did figure out my job situation. I, I heard that through the grapevine, that you, that you uh, figured something out. So, yeah, why don't you talk about that? What's going on? Yeah, so I had applied a long time ago and interviewed in late June at the Oakland City Attorney's Office. Uh-huh. And I recently heard, which is kind of late in the game, but so it goes, that I was accepted to be a bridge fellow for up to four months with the Oakland City Attorney's Office. That That's fantastic. Yeah, I think it'll be really cool. Yeah. Just get a little bit of sense of the inner workings of a city and what a city attorney even does. Mm -hmm. You know, there's, I think, 70 attorneys in the office. Wow. So they finally made desk space for you. That's what I gather. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that's my plan. And then for the eight months following that, I think I'm going to end up at Start Small, Think Big. Very nice. That's awesome. The other option. So yeah. I think I've got the next year figured out. Although, as part of the Bridge Fellowship Program, I have to look for a job. Right. So there, I have monthly check-ins with the Career Development Office about what I'm doing to try to find proper employment. And the goal is to get off the help of the school as soon as possible. Right. But giving two weeks notice to your host organization. Of course. Naturally. Yeah. So yeah, I am going to have to do that, but I think I want to work for the start small, think big for the eight months following. So it's hard to say whether I'll be successful in finding a job. Well, that that's a year. Right, but I mean to say, in my search, required search, as part of the terms of the Bridge Fellowship, mm -hmm. I may not be super successful in finding a job that I want to take. Right. Given that where I want to be is the city attorney's office for four months and then at a nonprofit for eight months. That's my desired employment situation. And I would just have taken the year at Start Small Think Big if I didn't get the ability to work at the Oakland City Attorney's Office. Right, which I think that that's definitely something you should you should do. Seems like a yeah. good, good experience to have, right? Yeah, I think it'll be really interesting and I'll learn a lot and that's going to be my goal to learn as much as I can and help them out in any which way I can and then hopefully hear good news back from the bar. Yeah, and that's November? You should hear from them? November, November 15th. Okay. Well, you even have a date. Mm hmm. You that's, should make a uh, daisy day. chain or like a, you know, like those paper rings um, and just like take one off for every day. Watch the ring, the rings get shorter. Is that a thing that people do? I don't know if it's a thing people do. Cassidy was just joking about doing it for our wedding because her and her brother used to do that as kids, like preparing right. for vacation or whatever. <laughs> so it is a thing that people do. It's a thing that somebody does. Yeah. I would qualify them as people. Yeah, yeah, I think they fall into that category. Mm -hmm. mm. So yeah, that's hopefully my next year looks like that, and I can stress a little less about what I'm going to be doing and where I'm going to be doing it. And yeah, well, you, all you, of that stuff. You don't have nothing to do, which is good. Right, and yeah. yeah, I currently have nothing to do, and it's it's nice, but at the same time, I need to get to work right i feel you you know i don't know there's just i feel guilty using the time that i have to be honest yeah yeah i can totally understand that you know like i've been relaxing and i'm doing an online course in data analysis and just sort of muddling through that in my spare time playing some video games 
talking to you. Yeah. Talking to some other folks on the phone, not recorded. Yeah. So it's been really nice. But at a certain point, I need a routine. I need to feel like I'm contributing. I need to feel like I'm doing something worthwhile that isn't just immediately self-gratifying. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm kind of in the same boat as you when it comes to that, you know. But I I did recently have a bit of a mental switch because I know, you know, how many there's. It's not. I mean, especially someone with my background, you know, it's not common for me to have like the end of July into August off, like off from work. You know, that's right for probably sure. Probably never gonna happen again in my professional life. So. Yeah, I mean, here we are. Yeah, I'm like I'm two I'm unemployed <laughs> blokes just recording podcasts. Yeah, this is what unemployed people do, right? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm looking for work, and like you shouldn't feel bad either because you're in the same boat. Like you've you've found something to do, it just doesn't start yet, right? Right. Yeah. So like that's I'm, where I'm at now. I'm uh, one step behind you in that. Like I've been, you know, interviewing for jobs and you know doing all that. So I, I don't know. I I, I feel like. If I, as long as I'm doing that and I, I know how much time I have before I need to have a job. Um, well, not that that even matters because I'm trying just as hard to get a job as I would be if I was like running out of money, you know, so. Right. It's all good. Um, yeah, it'll uh, it'll work itself out as yeah. it always does. It does. It does. So I've been this past week really enjoying the time off. You know. Yeah, I saw... And some pictures you were doing some barbecuing it looked like or having a fire yep yeah we grilled and chilled with uh you, you you've met um courtney, courtney. A friend of ours from vermont um mm -hmm. uh, cassidy went to high school with so she was down with her dog and i get to spend a bunch of time with the dog she um courtney was dropping her brother off um because he's a new recruit in the coast guard oh boy so they spent the weekend with us and we had like a beach day and when she went up to Boston to drop him off, like I got to hang out with the dog during the day. Um, right. AKA I, I dog sat a little bit, but I, it was fun for me because I want a dog, but no, oh, you want a dog. Oh yeah. Yeah. I would love to have a dog, but hmm. I, won't I do don't understand. Yet. Yeah, that's fine. That's fine. I mean, like you're talking to someone who eventually aspires to like, you know, be a farmer. Right. So, or like you know, run some kind of business where I could have my dog with me. So right, what the fuck? so you could yeah. give it a give it a life that it uh, deserves. Mm -hmm. I just Whatever couldn't see. Means. I mean, like I don't know what my employment situation is going to look like. You know, the earlier this year, I was out of the house for fifteen hours a day or more. Right. So that doesn't that doesn't work with having a dog, but. Yeah, no, not if it's your dog. I mean, yeah. a family dog, maybe. Right, but it's that's not the point. Right, you're looking for a, a personal dog. Yeah, yeah. So, but yeah, so that was fun, and, um, you know, I love grilling, I love campfires, I love the beach, so I'm getting as much of that in as possible. Yeah, while the weather stays nice. Mm -hmm. It's This is the perfect time of year um, in Rhode Island. Um Excuse me. For the summer, at least, because it starts like the um, the amount of tourism starts to decrease now. The humidity breaks and it gets like slightly cooler. So it's, you know, you know, uh, high 70s up to like maybe mid 80s and like, you know, 50 percent humidity instead of 100 percent humidity. Instead of 100. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and like, yeah, so it's it's been and nice doing a lot of hanging out in the yard and all that and applying it's for nice. jobs so. and applying for jobs yeah as it goes yeah i haven't been doing too much outdoor activity i did go for a run today yeah short one my foot hurt i don't know what's going on with that was that from the previous you know no injury? different 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 i think i got bad shoes that could be the case I think I did. I think I went, in my inexperience, I went to the store and I looked around for things that were in my size and I found one that was a little tight mm -hmm. and decided that it was close enough. Right. 
And so like my foot fits in, but it's a little more snug than probably ought to be. Yeah, that could, I'm no, I'm no, uh, what's the word? I mean, definitely no uh, expert. Podiatrist? Yeah. Yeah, I'm not a yeah. podiatrist either. Yeah, so, I don't know. I'm hoping that I break them in and it is all fine. That's really my, I'm going to keep trying and then eventually oh. give up if I need to. <laughs> Get new shoes. Get new shoes. Maybe actually talk to somebody at the store and have them measure me and bring one out from the back. Get a bespoke shoe salesperson. Yeah. They had machines to measure at the place I went, it looked like. Oh, wow. Yeah, fancy. Just put your foot in and it scans it as you're standing. Mm. Gives you a weight map of the bottom of your foot. That's pretty serious. Mm -hmm. I did that at Red Wing. Yeah. It seems like a little uh-huh. excessive. <laughs> yeah, my, my phone just thought I was talking to it. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it's that word. It's that word seriously. Gets it sometimes. Yeah. But, um, yeah, it seems like a bit much. It's like, the, I think the technology was pretty much enough. Like, it, I think a, a ruler is enough. <laughs> it's like yeah. the size of your foot, you know? Yeah, this is the size of your foot, length and width, and this is what you need. Yeah. But... I don't know. Maybe there's different cushion designs for people who hold weight differently on their feet. Right. Yeah. And if you have flat feet or whatever. Right. If you need some extra support somewhere, I see the benefit to it. Yeah. And it's easy enough to make these days. Yeah, that's true. Little pad. Yeah, a little pad that's just got like you know, seventeen sensors for weight. Yep. Sounds like, and sounds you just, right. you know, measure the different points and then call it a, you know, graph it nicely on screen. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, yeah. Oops. <clears throat> What's that? I just made some noise while putting my cup down. Uh, yes, I I realized uh, immediately after we started recording that I left my air conditioner on. Mm. And then I turned it off, so I don't know if that's going to make it sound like junky at the beginning. But Yeah, we'll find out. Yeah, we cut this, we'll cut this all out. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. It's all getting cut. This will never air. <laughs> so on and so forth. Sorry, folks. The rest of August will be hot, hot, hot. I'm looking at <laughs> weather.com. Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty hot today. It's 88 degrees here. I'm not sure what the weather is today. It was pretty hot today, and actually it did happen to be pretty humid just because it rained yesterday, but Mm -hmm. in general it's been pretty good. Oh, yeah, what I was going to say, I haven't gotten outside much, but this weekend I'm going to Hetch Hetchy Reservoir. What is that? It's a place, I think, in the Sierra Mountains. Mm-hmm. Um, let me see. Hetch, Hetchy. It's in the northwestern part of Yosemite National Park, mm-hmm. drained by the Tallyum River, which is uh, one of the um, songs from the into the Wild soundtrack is called Tullium, or however you say that. T-U-O-L-U-N-N-E. Couldn't, I couldn't say. Hmm. I mean, yeah, it looks beautiful. I'm looking at pictures of it right now. Yeah. So, going there this weekend. Nice. Doing a cabin camping. Oh, sweet. So, I think it's got a fully stocked kitchen and everything, so they're bringing up a bunch of food. I'm going to just spend some time hanging out over the weekend. Is that you and Ivy? No, it's um, me and a bunch of other friends. Ivy was going to go, but she has homework to do. Right. As it goes. Yeah, let's do that. Yeah, this place looks pretty, pretty cool. Yeah. The waterfalls won't be so much because it's, you know, late summer. 
Oh, I see. So it's not you get, as much water. You get a lot more water in the early spring to right. mid-spring. Right. But yeah, it's where um, all of the water from that feeds San Francisco comes from. Oh, wow. There's an aqueduct that runs from the reservoir to the uh, to the city. Yeah. There's a mountain tunnel and then an aqueduct. A I wonder what tunnel. it. Uh, yeah, I wonder what it looks like. That's I don't want the map. Pretty cool. Looking at images of it, you can fit an automobile inside it. Yeah, it's a big, big aqueduct. Yeah. Water just runs down this giant tube, huh? Fresh, fresh water from the snow melt. It's a long tube. It's like four hours driving, three and a half hours, four hours driving. Mm hmm. So, let's see. It is... No, that's avoiding highways. That's not what I want. Four hours, it says right now. Hundred and seventy-four miles. So what's what's up with you? What's going on? Huh. Um, yeah, you know, I recently interviewed for a job um, where I would be selling grow lights for indoor cannabis cultivation. Right. So I don't know if I told you anything about that job, but I mean... I don't remember. Tell me again. It's uh, the Northeast District Sales Representative for... A company called iHortelux. So, so you would be selling to local stores, or I would be I would selling to dispensaries. Both growers and like direct to growers, as well as to you know grow, uh, grow shops and stuff. And the the region is um, all of the Northeast. So, would that involve a lot of travel? New York, New Jersey, yeah. So you applied to a light distribution job. Yes. So, I mean, it certainly incorporates my skills in my background. And, like, you know, like the, the company is one that I've used extensively. Yeah, you've purchased lights from before. Yeah, yeah, when I was cultivating myself um, or working for a cultivation company. And so... Yeah, and I've used their products before, and like you know, I'm a horticulturist, and that's basically the background they want. Um, my sales background is, you know, whatever. It's not that much, you know. Um, I've never had a job that was strictly sales, right? So, I mean, I guess they'll take that or leave it. We'll see. I think yeah. I still think it's something I'd be good at. You know, I'm a good at discussing things that I'm knowledgeable about, like growing and, you know, the whole equation of photosynthesis and being able to explain that in such a way that people can understand and why they need to use lights and lighting equipment properly. Right. I mean, I did that for just about three years, so I think I got a firm grasp on it. Yeah, I think you'll be all right. Yeah, so, and it would be a cool change of pace, like, I'd be traveling around New England a bunch. Yeah, do you think you'd be home as much as you, or home as little as you were before, perhaps? I think it would be different, but yeah, I I would, it's a lot of travel. 
I need to get more details on what the travel is like, but it's like basically all travel. But if it comes to like, you know, my job is driving up to Massachusetts today or driving down to New Jersey or like, you know, and then coming back, that's, that's fine. Right. But, you know, there's... If it's multiple days of you're gone. Yeah. That could be a different story. Yeah. It could. I didn't, I didn't like not being home with my last job however it was you know it was a different job than what this would be you know right like it's not just like physical labor and all that you know and so, and a lot of travel and a lot of travel too much travel some might say way too much it was way too but, you know, I think I could like this job. I, I want to f- obviously get more details about it and meet some more of the people, which I think is going to happen. I'm supposed to have another interview um, this week sometime. This week or early next week. So we'll see. I'll keep you updated on that. Yeah, for sure. Please yeah. do. So, you know, just trying to navigate this, all this stuff. What's... What is it that I really want to do? I don't know. I kind of want something somewhat stable. You know, I could see myself sticking around and, like, all that. Right. Yeah. Something that pays pretty well would be great. Well, I mean, those are, you know, where parts, right? Like, the lights go out eventually. Totally. Yeah, I mean, they... Yeah, if you make a sale and someone's going to stick with your product in that industry, it's like, yeah, they're going to need them every 12 months or whatever. Right, because they just are run hard and Mm -hmm. put away wet. Yes. Yeah. So, And it means I get to, you know, work with, work in the cannabis industry again, which I like the idea of that. I would like to get back into the cannabis industry. Um you know, on a full-time basis and like be working more in that field. Cause I think, you know, for the, you know, looking forward into the future, like that's going to be more and more, you know, ubiquitous everywhere. And like having a set of skills and having a foot into this industry in multiple different types of positions, I think is a good thing. Right. Yeah. I think you're absolutely right. this whole hubbub about steve king i don't know anything about this yeah he's a controversial figure um what was he he was caught on tape lamenting the fact that white supremacy is an offensive term like it's offensive to be white supremacist yeah No, no, no. Like, he was lamenting the fact that that was a slur. Oh, God. Yeah. So he also then questioned if there would be any population left, if not for rape and incest. Wait, repeat that? (laughs) Questions if there would be any population left, if not for rape and incest. What? What is that? He's talking about like wars and pillaging and then like royal families interbreeding. Okay, so he's talking historically. Yeah. Well, I don't know if that's true or not, but what the hell are you talking about? Yeah. Why are you saying that? Yeah, like there might be some like percentage of the population that arise arose become because of that activity, but that doesn't mean that there wouldn't be a population without it. No. Now, the context is him defending an abortion bill that does not have an exception for rape or incest. Right. The important part here is that he's saying that rape or incest 
as it relates to the modern day, shouldn't be a reason for aborting a child. Yeah, that's where... Or, you know, a fetus. Yeah, because every, you know, life is, you know, sacred. Yeah, we're really touching on the hard-hitting topics. There's no pamphlet for this. There's no pamphlet for rape or incest, I don't think. Yeah, or abortion. I think there is. I think... I think Planned Parenthood does have pamphlets. <laughs> right. Really they actually, there are literally pamphlets about that, but I don't know. It's a hard, it's a hard topic. Yeah. You know, like I know where I come out, but I do recognize the difficulty of the subject mm-hmm. matter. So Steve King is a um, congressman? Yes. He's okay. a representative from iowa iowa's fifth congressional district oh it is iowa or he represented iowa's fifth congressional district until 2013 when oh yeah redistricting numbered it at the fourth so yeah so he's been representing a district of in iowa since 2013 right oh steve king I just don't understand where he is coming from, really. I just, yeah, I just don't understand that as an argument. It's like, how out of touch are you that, like, you think you can say, like, rape and incest are good Fund- Fundamental to the procreation of the species. Yeah, that's what he's saying. Like, like it should still be happening. Yeah, that's exactly what he's saying. And that's okay, because war is hell. And humans need war. I just watched a movie called Casualties of War. Because uh-huh. it was one of the subject movies of another podcast called Friendly Fire. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. You're aware of the podcast. I'm, not I'm, sure a, I'm aware of listen. it. I haven't, uh, I haven't given it a listen yet. Yeah. It's a good show, um, but yeah, it was a rough movie. It really beat you over the head with the brutality of a central rape scene. Oh, jeez. Yeah. yeah, but it's war. So, what what happens in the on? field? Vietnam. Okay. What happens in the field stays in the field. Type of secrecy yeah. and shame. and it just the problem with the story and stories like it is just how much we recognize that those things happen Mm -hmm. that though that the boys that are sent off to war are not necessarily fully formed right and are susceptible to committing atrocities just like any other group of people that you dehumanize on a regular basis. Mm -hmm. So uh, it's just, it's, it's brutal and it's, it sucks to recognize the reality of it. War is terrible. But it's especially, I mean, <clears throat> especially terrible for a young person who's f- uh, physically and mentally not fully developed yet. You know, like, it, like when, like those are like the ages, like eighteen to twenty-four. I think are really formative years for a young person. Absolutely. And if you spend that time in war. I can't imagine what that does to 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 you. Yeah, I mean, you have to be indoctrinated into this particular role in society, mm-hmm. like this very particular set of you know privileges and benefits that come from being a veteran. Yeah. 
and these advocacy groups that do their best to protect your improved rights, which mm -hmm. is, I struggle with serving the country in that capacity ought to confer additional privilege. Mm -hmm. Mostly because I disagree with the way that the military has been used. Yeah. And what goals it seems to be serving outside of our values and, yeah. you know, the horrible things that occur in war as discussed in that movie casualties of war like those are happening in the wars that we are a part of yeah like these boys are definitely engaging some of them in atrocious behavior But it's war, so you get this special status when you return. Yeah, that's tough because, I mean, you know, it's not like our country could just abolish the military, you know, and stop participating in military activities, right? Right. I mean, like, ideally, you know, peace and love and happiness is widespread and we don't need a military, but that's that's... Literally never going to happen. Um, yeah, I mean, look, at if there's not a militarized police force, you know, who's going to stop the criminals? Well, yeah, I mean, that's, I mean, like, that's a necessary part of modern society. I mean, that's... I mean, I don't think a better scenario is for everybody to be individually responsible for their own safety because I think no. that ends in chaos. <laughs> yeah, certainly not. No, you I'm, I'm mean, definitely in favor of a state that is responsive to the population to be the holder of a monopoly on violence. Sure. Yeah. You know, given the the probably correct assumption that violence is necessary in some ways, mm -hmm. I'd rather place that ability and power in the hands of some sort of process. Sure. And I mean, it, individuals are, are involved in that process. You know, there's self-defense and all that is involved in, you know, your own safety. So it's not like right, but it's, that's it's not that's like it's just handing over complete power to an outside entity. You know, you still need to call them. Right, they're not just ubiquitous. They're not just like everywhere. Right, you need to call. Well, I mean that depends on what yeah, neighborhood on you're living on. Yeah, living that's in. True. Yep. Like, you know, over policing is certainly a thing. Yeah. You know, especially with things like drug crimes, where the amount of people that you arrest for the crimes is not indicative of the usage, but is indicative of how many bodies you put into the effort of arresting people. Yeah, absolutely. You know, but that's the, the point. It has to be responsive to the populace and that's the theory behind community policing is that if you're a part of the community, you're going to be responsive to the needs and desires and whims and concerns of that community. Totally. But, you know, a lot of police organizations view and the language surrounds it. They view their job as going to battle as going to war. 
which justifies almost anything. Yeah. You know, and that can't be, that's, you know, the reason we have at least stated controls on the ability of the police. You know, they have to follow certain procedures that are meant to protect from the wanton use of that monopoly on violence. Yeah. You know, the Fourth Amendment protects from unreasonable searches and seizures as a means of challenging police activity. Yeah. You know, it operates as a check on what the police are able to do and the invasiveness that they're able to use mm-hmm. with differing levels of suspicion. Yeah, and it, like they do have to be able to make a case for that in in any circumstance, right? Right, but so often and it's terrible that it's this way, but part of the case like it's mm-hmm. it's it's like a sliding scale of like how invasive you're able to be compared to how much like suspicion you have like reasonable suspicion you have mm-hmm. so if you have what's called probable cause yeah that's a higher level of suspicion than reasonable suspicion and what what could, what would be an example of each of those well, like if somebody runs away from you in a high crime area, runs away from the police in a high crime area, that can give rise to reasonable suspicion, which is enough to um, like stop somebody, to see somebody briefly for an investigative, investigative seizure. Mm-hmm. And then the amount of like probable cause is a higher level of suspicion and that's got to be it can vary depending on what you are talking about but it's uh, a set of articulable facts more than a mere hunch Mm -hmm. or no sorry that's the standard for a reasonable suspicion but probable cause is more than that it makes it it's a set of facts and circumstances that would lead a reasonable person to believe it's more probable than not that a crime has occurred or evidence of criminal activity can be found in the location to be searched. Okay. So let's say the same scenario person runs away and then the police officer crosses the street and sees where they were standing, like some illegal thing, a gun or a, or whatever, a bag of drugs or whatever. Would that elevate the reasonable suspicion to probable cause? And then almost certainly, yeah. Then that would give them the ability to arrest them. Right. So probable so cause need, is how much you what you need to arrest somebody. Right. To take somebody away from their location and to kidnap somebody, essentially. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> with impunity. That's yeah. the monopoly on violence that we're talking about. Yeah. Certainly. You know, but there's procedural safeguards, and I definitely think that those are actionable in an important way. They have been in the past. Yeah. And they let a lot of people go who may have committed the crime. But the trade-off for that is not feeling like the police is an, an occupying army designed to... 100% control the activities of the occupied space. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that is, that is the whole point, right? Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, it's you know, still funny though, like people like me who, you know, I know perfectly well, I'm doing nothing wrong, but when I'm driving and a police officer's behind me, like the hairs on the back of my neck stand up and I'm like, okay, well, what, what could happen here? Is one of my taillights out or like, you know, whatever. Yeah. It's, it's still, it's still in the back ingrained. Yeah. And I think a lot of it comes from, you know, maybe driving with marijuana in the past when it was illegal. Yeah. And the consequences of you getting pulled over and searched were, 
uh, significantly higher, or at least yeah. felt to be significantly higher. Yeah. Like, I wonder if, if people who never, you know, messed with drugs at all. Never did anything they, illegal. <laughs> right? Like, how did how does their feeling about the police force change versus somebody who has, you know, been involved in transporting illicit drugs? Yeah. Whether they should have been illicit drugs or not is a question that we're debating right. in society now. <clears throat> but yeah i wonder i wonder how that changes how your perceptions of the police because like i know somebody whose parent is a police officer mm -hmm. and their perceptions of the police are obviously very different from mine right the the person who's uh your friend who has a parent that is a police yeah. officer yeah mm-hmm it just it it certainly changes your view and your opinion about what is going to and what possibly could happen to you because you know it's a brotherhood if right. your brother's kid is found to be speeding and not otherwise seriously endangering anybody you're gonna give them a pass you're gonna let them off for going 20 miles an hour over the speed limit because you would want your kid let off because you know the money to pay for the ticket is going to come from you. Right. You know, it's, it's just, it's kids will be kids. I know this 16 year old is doing the things that are expected of a 16 year old. Yeah. And if you know that 16 year old, you're obviously going to be more compassionate about it. Right. And it it's not only if you know them, like personally, it's a big part of it too, is if you like culturally recognize them. Right. If it's as, social repercussions to giving this kid a ticket, if it's your coworker's son or whatever. Right. Hmm. And, you know, it's not a big deal. Like, I think that that would be different than like speeding as an example is different from um, murder. Certainly. Yeah. You're like you're not cover up a murder for somebody. <laughs> well, I mean, no, I mean yeah. it does. It certainly less happens, but it's, it happens yeah. significantly less than a kid getting off for speeding. Sure. Right. Yeah. So I think that it, you know, it's just being able to recognize that it's not a big deal that the kid will learn to not speed as they get older and risk becomes more of a knowledgeable aspect of their life, a cognizable aspect of their life, not knowledgeable. Yeah. Then they will naturally slow down. And I understand that process from my upbringing and culture. And given that understanding, I feel no qualms about letting this person off. But if you lack that cross-cultural understanding that this is dangerous but not super dangerous behavior and that kids naturally engage in dangerous behavior to test their limits, if you don't recognize that for what it is, you might crack down pretty hard on what is ultimately harmless but stupid behavior. So it's hard, you know, it's hard to establish the proper bounds of what the state's monopoly on violence is. Yeah, I think it's a, I think it's a net positive you know, that police exist. And I mean, army or no army, I, I'd take some, some amount of an army, <laughs> you know, or military. But yeah, 
I mean, yeah, it's I just mean, like anything else. There's a system, and systems have flaws because we are humans. And I think we're on a slow march toward improving everything because I think that's genuinely what most people want, you know? Yeah. But, you know, there's some literally, there are some evil people. <laughs> and there are people that are purely self-preservationists or just looking out for themselves and they're everywhere including in the police force and the military and god knows in the you know uh in politics so it's it was in the social contract by hobbes the idea that by acting for oneself, you will also guarantee the best outcomes for others because you view yourself in solidarity with the others. Like, you know, it comes down to the golden rule. Like, you want to be treated the way others, you treat others the way you want to be treated. Sure. And that's the contract that you make define those moral and immoral behaviors. I don't think if a lot of people are, well, certainly not everybody. I don't think everybody lives by that. No, I think you're, I think you're right. And I think a lot of the agreed upon punishments that we have sort of track that idea though. Like, it's wrong to lie to somebody. Sure. Yeah. If you make a contract with somebody by lying, then that contract will not be enforced by the state. Huh. And yeah, you might even... That makes sense. Right? But I mean, that's an agreed upon punishment for behavior that we view as immoral. Hmm. Yeah. Like even lying to somebody about the contents of a contract? Definitely. That is fraud in the execution, I think. Okay. Or fraud in the, fa in the factum, something like that. So if someone misled you into signing a contract, that's, you know, the, how, what, how, I mean, imagine you need some um, significant amount of evidence to prove that they lied to you, right? Yeah, it needs particularized evidence, for sure. Hmm. Let's see, four, four elements to fraudulent misrepresentation. A misrepresentation of past or present fact. Made with the intent to defraud and with knowledge that it was a mischaracterization of the facts and upon which the person reasonably relied in order to in making the contract right but you know that'll get you damages right but yeah we just agree that lying is beyond the pale like lying to get somebody to change their economic position is something that deserves not only restitution but punishment and yeah deter deterring uh deterrent it needs to act as a deterrent the punishment must be such that people lose more than they gain as a result of the immoral act right that's the sort of the idea, you know, and like the, all these all these systems are bound up together because what happens if you don't make the other person whole? Like you will be subjected to harassment from credit collectors. You can have your assets garnet your wages garnished. You can have the state can take your property 
to settle the judgment. Yeah. You know, and that is ultimately enforced by the police. Right. Because somebody will result to, I mean, look at television shows about repossession. Oh yeah. That's like a whole thing. Right. That's a, that's a category of state sanctioned violence that people use for entertainment. Well, and I mean, of course, there's like cops. Right, which is the explicit entertainment of state-sanctioned violence. Yeah. Well, and war movies. Although those are somewhat educational, I suppose. Perhaps. Not always. It's everywhere. It's almost like we live in a society. We live in a society, man. Whether we like it or not. You go to war with the army you have, not the army you want. Is that the phrase? Mm-hmm. I don't know the origins of it. Mm. Maybe Napoleon? Bonaparte. Oh, <laughs> oops. What? I'm going to cut that out. <laughs> Why? Because it's certainly not Napoleon. Who is it? That was Donald Rumsfeld. (laughs) Yeah, those two are not the same. They're not the same. Although, you know, headed to Iraq in 2004, a soldier pleaded for more armored vehicles. Rumsfeld's response, you go to war with the army you have, not the army you might want or wish to have at a later time was widely considered flip. Was widely considered what? It says flip. Flippant, maybe? Hmm. Yeah. Was widely considered flip. Yeah. Was more complex than quoted in the media. And he adds, my response was also told a simple truth about warfare. That seems like an old phrase, not something that was just said like during the George Senior administration. Junior, you mean? Or ju- oh, was it? Yeah, it was you said Iraq? Two thousand four. Yeah. Yeah. Donald Rumsfeld, not Napoleon. Not Napoleon. No, not even close. Wow, you really sounded like a doofus there, Joseph. Well, not at all. <laughs> you go, you go to podcasting with the voice you have, yeah. not the voice you might want. Yes, you go to podcast war with. Um, you, you post. Uh, you post the podcast you have, not the podcast you want. Oy vey, Jeffrey um, Epstein. Yeah, yeah, that was a thing, huh? He, he got got. You think he got got? Was it the Clintons or Trump? <laughs> I think it was wider than that. Yeah. I think he probably had some sort of agreement about not flipping or something where he would attempt to take his own life. Or he got got. I don't know. Didn't he make an attempt on his own life prior to actually dying? Yes. Supposedly. Hmm. Seems like that shouldn't happen in jail. Especially yeah. if someone like tried to kill themselves and were not successful. You know, you yeah. think they'd be on like no, So he was on he was on watch. suicide watch for a while, but then they took him off. They pulled his roommate. Uh-huh. Like the night before. And then they didn't check on him for a few hours. Hmm. Yeah, I mean I'm no 
I'm no conspiracy theorist about this whole thing. I'd, I'd, I'd be willing to believe fucking anything could have happened there, you know? Yeah. I wouldn't be surprised at anything. If the real truth comes out and it's like, yeah, he just killed himself, or, yeah, like, some agent of, like, the CIA came in and killed him, or, like, whatever. Anybody. I wouldn't be surprised. Or just, you know, some some money cross some palms you're like don't look at him between these this hour and this hour please yeah you know it could be as you know banal as that yeah doesn't have to necessarily involve you know Murder. institutions of the u.s government right no it doesn't you know it's just it's like, like don't try to keep him alive because you know if you look the other way here's you know the material benefits that you will receive and have yeah it's a crazy time we're living in that you know like nothing nothing surprising anymore like there's just so many people and like such a complex institution that governs us and like and i don't just mean the government you know like the the whole institution of like capitalism and how all those things intertwine into one another. It's just like so complex that like, like nothing would really surprise me, you know? Yeah. I don't have any or subscribe to any conspiracy theories, but like, you know, if like stupid stuff like came out, it's like, Oh yeah, actually they were right. The moon landing never happened or something like it'd be like, yeah, well, okay. Well, I guess we never did that. Yeah. (laughs) It's a good way to get yourself punched in the face by Buzz Aldrin. Oh, has Buzz Aldrin done that? Mm-hmm. Let's see. It was probably in two thousand five. Was it someone who was actually that didn't someone who actually didn't believe that we went to the moon, or was it someone just egging on Buzz Aldrin to get a bloody nose from him? It seems like it was somebody who didn't believe. Hmm. That's Bart Sibrel is one of the lunar truthers. Back in 2002, he ambushed Aldrin outside a Los Angeles hotel and berated him about his supposed role in the hoax, asking him to swear on a Bible he landed on the moon and calling him a liar and a coward. Offended that someone would question his integrity and fed up with being pestered for so long, Aldrin finally snapped and socked Sibrel in the face. So it was 2002. (laughs) So that was a long time ago. 2002, Buzz Aldrin punched me in the face, broke my nose. A friend of mine was telling me recently that something's going on with their phone where they get ads like without being in an app like some app they've downloaded somewhere is just like popping ads up like on their screen like if they're in the middle of like sending a text message or something that's insane yeah i was like that's not okay like that can't be a thing yeah that's That's not not right right. remember amazon used to sell they probably still do sell fire tablets that are cheaper because there's an unremovable ads on the front yeah crazy i mean that's not a dumb idea for amazon to do like because if somebody wants to have access to a piece of technology like that like by all means i don't want that (laughs) and i certainly don't want ads just popping up my phone when i'm just like normally using it that would that would upset me. yeah that's definitely beyond the pale yeah i would throw my phone at the wind out the window at that point like, like all right, right. i'm done with this technology if that starts becoming the norm um i'm gonna check out i think just, just fully check out yeah there was a news story i saw where a man dies after taking part in taco eating contest at minor league baseball game oh geez from fresno what fresno grizzlies they're not ruling a cause of death yet unclear Autopsy is scheduled for Thursday. Did he die during the 
taco eating contest or as yeah, a man as of now i just have that a man participating in a taco eating contest at the fresno grizzlies game died shortly after arising arriving to the hospital last night And they play every Tuesday home game as the Fresno Tacos as part of their season-long Taco Tuesday promotion. Yeah. Hmm. The team also made national headlines earlier this year when it had to apologize to U.S. Representative Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez for inadvertently calling her among those who are enemies of freedom. Whoops. Inadvertently, huh? Yeah, there was a they in between a doubleheader game. They played a speech by Ronald Reagan, and the person who had put that speech on YouTube changed the video to a higher resolution one that had images of Kim Jong Un, Fidel Castro, and Ocasio Cortez. Okay, probably during a part of the speech where Reagan says "enemies of freedom." Yeah, I would imagine so. So that happened. It was a Memorial Day salute to Ronald Reagan. Was he a popular president at his time? <laughs> like, What'd you say? I said, was Reagan popular in his time? Yes. In 1984, he won every state except Minnesota. Oh, wow. And D.C. He lost D.C. too. Which is a crazy landslide. Yeah, that is insane. I'm looking at... Um, approval rating of all time. Highest approval rating of all time. And George W. Bush... At the highest approval rating of all time on September nine September twenty first, two thousand one of ninety percent. His father was number two with eighty nine percent in February of ninety one. And in order down it goes Truman, Kennedy, F D Roosevelt, Johnson, Eisenhower, Carter, Clinton, then Reagan. Then Reagan. Yes. Yeah, who knows what it all means. Yeah. Does it just does it just exemplify a monolithic culture? What do you mean? Like having that high of an approval rating just is periods in our cultural history where there wasn't much variety. Yeah, like not the only. The only socially acceptable beliefs were these. Yes. This small set of beliefs. The only culturally appropriate music was this small set of music. Yeah. You know, because I think there's a weird effect of culture stagnating that has happened. Sure. Yeah. But. I don't know. It's weird. It, it feels like culture has stagnated, but really I think it's just that there was this brief window of time where culture was so monolithic, right? Like yeah. when television was the primary means of communication. There was only so much television. There's only so much yeah. television and that creates this effect. And then like what we call Zoomers coming up below us are from a totally different area of, but not area, but like a totally different cultural milieu where things are more instantaneous. Right. And that's creating a new culture that is diverse and regional and all of those things. Not regional geographically as it was in the past, but regional, you know, culturally yeah. in little cliques and not, and niche communities. Yeah, it's like becoming like hyper uh, specific, you know, 
Like you identify yeah. with such a specific culture and you just like fit yourself into this um, paradigm where like, you know, there's such a large group of people within that same exact paradigm that are like just so available to you because, you know, there's a subreddit for it <laughs> right. or whatever, you know, it like, and you can just like really um, immerse yourself in it and not have to interact with the outside world in terms of like walking out of that. Right. There's enough, there's enough content for you to spend all of your time reading Reddit. Yeah. Right. Like you could keep yourself entertained by, you know, perusing through these articles and these posts for forever. Yeah. And with takes from people that specifically fit a, um, a social group that you might identify with. That you desire to identify with at least. Yeah, I mean, I feel like I don't so much, I, I do use Reddit that way, where I'll go deep until there's nothing new. But the, I do reach a point where there's nothing new Yeah, and that too. I get off. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I see a lot of like, I do a lot of like exploring and like seeing posts in communities or about communities that like I have no real interest in. But still, like, hmm? do you now? Yeah, yeah. Like, I went on a deep dive, like when uh, the Donald was quarantined. I was like, "What the hell was going on over there?" You know? Oh my god! You know, and that's it's, not a community a I would have participated in. But I still like went deep and started looking into like what what gets posted over there. Like, what are these people talking about? You know? And I mean, the same thing when Chapo got quarantined. Like, I mean, I subscribed to it because whatever reason i was just interested in what was going on over there and then yeah do you listen to the podcast or no i forget i have i was i intended to get back to listening to it or give it a shot again um their episode that they just unlocked about jeffrey epstein i think is definitely worth a listen yeah yeah there's people who have a podcast about jeffrey epstein called um true anon yeah it's on SoundCloud and they were guests on the show and they just talked about all these connections that he has to the mob and to the CIA. And I don't know what to believe, but it gives you what they termed Epstein brain. What, what, what does that mean? It's just like an obsession with this case and like, yeah, just, I mean, it feels like a conspiracy made real. Yeah. You know. But it's definitely worth a listen, I think. Cool, yeah, I'll give, I'll give it a listen. They just unlocked it, so it, it's called Unlocked Something. What do you mean by unlocked? What does that mean? Well, they have two episodes a week, one behind a paywall, one not. Oh, I see. So this is one that was behind a paywall, and they were like, well, we're going to actually release this publicly. Yeah, they re- they released it after um, Epstein died. Gotcha. Yeah, it's called Unlocked 335, Shrugging Towards Bethlehem. Hmm. 